We're going to be reading Hebrew 11, 8 through 11, and 17 through 18. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he received as an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him, since she considered him faithful who had promised. 17 through 18. By faith, Abraham, when he, t- he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he, who was, and he who had received the promises was in the fact of the offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Though I, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Thank you, Tariq. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to have it open to Hebrews 11 this morning. I want to start this morning, though, with a story. In the early 1800s, a man was walking around the streets of Philadelphia looking for work. And he had had weeks of lack of success as he kept looking. And finally, one day, he entered the establishment of Mr. Gerard. Mr. Stephen Gerard, the man who Gerard Avenue is named for. He went in to Mr. Gerard and he said, Mr. Gerard, I I need work. Is there anything I can do for you? Mr. Gerard didn't miss a beat. He took the man right to the back door and he said, actually, I've got a a great thing I need you to do. Took him to the back door of the establishment, opened the back door to look over the back lot that he had there. And he said, do you see this brick pile over here? Well, I need this whole brick pile moved and stacked nice and neatly in this back corner. Can you do that for me? Yes, sir. So the man takes off his jacket and rolls up his sleeves and begins moving all of these bricks from one corner to the other. And by sunset, the man comes back inside and he wipes his brow and he said, Mr. Gerard, just to let you know that all the bricks you asked me to move are in the corner that you wanted them and stacked just the way you wanted them. Uh... Can I come back tomorrow? Mr. Gerard said, I'd like that. So the next morning, this man shows up again and says, What do you have for me today? And he takes the man to the back door and he opens up to look at the back lot and he says, You see this brick pile over here? I need it moved to this back corner. Do you think you can do that for me and stack it nice and neat? Yes, sir. Every day for two weeks, Mr. Gerard has this man move the bricks back and forth and back and forth. And every day the man would come back in and say the same spiel. Mr. Gerard, the bricks that you asked me to move are in the corner that you wanted them and stacked nice and neat. Uh, Can I see you tomorrow? And after two weeks, Mr. Gerard again gave the same response of, I'd like to see you tomorrow. But this time the instructions changed. He said, tomorrow when you come, I need you to wear your Sunday best. And he slid a a thick envelope of money across his desk. And he said, tomorrow I need you to take this envelope of money. I need you to go down to the docks. And there's a large shipment of sugar that I've been trying to buy. And they won't sell to me. I need you to go down and be my buyer tomorrow. Do you think you can do that? Yes, sir. And as the man picks up the envelope, 
he can't help but ask the pressing question. He says, Mr. Gerard, can I ask, why did you have me move all those bricks? Like, after two weeks, they're in the same corner that they started in. To most people that had no clue what was going on or weren't paying attention, it looks like we really didn't accomplish a whole lot. Mr. Gerard said, I needed to know that you would do what I asked you to do. I needed to find out how faithful of a man you were. We have different challenges and tests of faithfulness that God puts us through, that God brings us through. And when I first think of a test of faith, I think of those hard challenges, right? The, the loss of a loved one, the, the words from a doctor that this is sort of what you have to live with for a while, the loss of a job or the word downsizing, all kinds of challenges that we certainly go, I would never wish this on anyone, let alone myself. But then I begin to realize, too, that there are tests of our faith that are actually really exciting things, changes in our life that we look forward to. Right when we, when we meet that special someone, we go, there's a, a change in our life, and, and God's giving us a test of faith there, too, because how often when we get good news do we kind of go, God, thanks for getting us through that, but we got it from here. I can, I can get it from here. I've been, I've been waiting until you brought somebody, and now I got somebody. Or I've been waiting until we can have a child, and now it's here. I, I, can, I can take it from here. I got the job, finally, that I had been hoping for. But the longer I live life, and the longer I even look at what being faithful looks like, I realize that the really challenging experiences and the really great changes that come in life are a small fraction of what life is. And perhaps it may be a little different for you. But most of my life is those in-between times of going, okay, God, what does the new norm look like? What is status quo? How do I follow you and be faithful when there aren't all these changes happening? And I realize the roller coaster of changes in your life may look drastically different than the roller coasters in my life, but I think we all can have those times where it's what God asked for me to do today is the exact same thing He asked me to do yesterday. It's the exact same thing He wants me to do the day before the week before, the month before. And we can often feel like, I'm just moving bricks. I'm just doing what he told me to do today, but not really feeling like it's making a ton of difference, not really feel like uh, what I'm doing is helping. I see a number of challenges that that Abraham and Sarah had to endure. And I realize in just a a one Sunday look, we kind of have to take a quick 30,000 foot view of the life of Abraham and Sarah. And Hebrews 11 is one that, that mentions so many characters that have gone through so much that, that are described as having faith through those things. And I want to look at three in particular, but I think of those, those time gaps that have always, like my junior high mind can't help but just kind of keep asking questions when I hear stories from, from so many of these uh, who have stories in Genesis that are found in Hebrews 11. So people like Joseph, If you remember, Joseph was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and thrown in prison. And Genesis 41 just starts, and a whole two years later, Joseph's still in prison. And you go, there's there's a nice little time gap of two years in an Egyptian prison. You go, what happened there? The story just sort of jumps. But then even looking at Jacob, 
And Jacob met Rachel and was excited to marry her and made an arrangement with Jacob's dad to say, I'll work for seven years for you if I can marry her. And what father-in-law can resist that offer? Right, he may be thinking, I don't have to clean out sheep and cow pens for seven years. This is great. But there, in Genesis 29, verse 20, we read Jacob's story. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. It's a great verse. It's also seven years long. That was a really quick seven years we just kind of flew through there. But then we even look at like the granddaddy of them all in the story of Noah, that as he's brought up in Hebrews 11, that we find out in Genesis 5, when Noah's 500, he and his wife start a family. You'd let that marinate for a minute. That was 500 is when they started a family. And then after that, God gives him the instructions to go, I want you to build a giant boat, and it's got to be yay long and yay wide and yay high and made of gopher wood, and you know, it's got to fit two of every animal. Genesis 7 jumps and says, And when Noah was 600 years old, God said, All right, get on the boat. There's an awful lot of time in there to go. Every day, Noah got up and said, God, what do you want from me? I want you to build a boat. And how many bad days do you think Noah had in that time? How many days did he come home and go, If I get one more splinter, I'm going to lose it. But here are these tests that even in our own life we kind of go, it just jumps like the, the chapters in our life kind of go, there was this, this, this status quo for a while and then this happened. And what does faithfulness look like in those gaps? As we look at Abraham's life and Sarah's life, there are three challenges that we see right off the bat that are those really hard tests of faith that they go through. And I certainly don't at all want to make light of those challenges because I recognize that there are so many in our congregation that that challenge is a very real one for you right now. But what I want us to see as well that Hebrews takes note of is, is their faithfulness before and after that allowed them to have faith in the middle of it. To say when it was just a normal day, when it was just feeling like I'm moving bricks, when it was just status quo, it's because I had of what God taught me through lessons of faithfulness that now when the challenge comes, here's how we can handle it. And so Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8 brings the first challenge that we see. And that's of an unknown destination. We read, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. So Genesis 12 gives us the record of this, that God had met with Abraham and said, I, I want to move you from Ur, from the town of your father, from everything you know, and I want to take you to a new land of promise. I want to make you a great nation. I want your generations uh, that follow you to be like the stars of the sky. And Abraham, as I read this passage, I go, it's so easy that if God made this promise to me, that that sentence would read a little differently. That how easy is it for me to go, you know what, I'm, I'd really love to look forward to a city whose foundation is designed and built by me. That if God said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to start a whole new thing over here with you, I'm going, what am I going to do? 
What choices do, am I going to make here to, to, to work toward the future? But we see in Abraham that's not at all his approach. I see him spending time with his family in Ur before this going, Sarah, can you imagine what it would be like if this city was actually one that followed God? Can you imagine what it would be like if we actually worshipped just the one true God instead of all these other gods, that if we just obeyed what he had for us, what society would be like, what our culture would be like. And here God said, I'm going to take you and move you to a new land where we can expand and grow this great nation. And Abraham's like, I get to be, like, give me the, the Coke and popcorn. I get to be on the front row of what you're going to do. I can't wait to see a city that has foundations that designer and builder of that is God. Tremendous statement of his faithfulness prior to God making this request. The second challenge they face is that of an anticipated child. We read in Hebrews 11, By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Part of that promise that God gave Abraham in Genesis 12 was this, I'm going to make of you a great nation. So as you look at the stars, like that's going to be your lineage in the sands of the seashore. That's going to be your lineage. And Abraham and Sarah are going, that sounds great. Right now we would go for just one of those. We've been, we've been trying for a while, God, you know that. And yet we're, we have yet to see one child. And you've promised us this. And so we're not really sure how this is going to work. And so Sarah comes up with the idea of going, well, we, we've tried this for a while, and, and maybe God is, is thinking of something else. And so I've got a handmaiden named Hagar. Why don't, why don't you go and sleep with her and, and see what happens? And Genesis 16 records the story of Abraham going into Hagar, and like that, she becomes pregnant. And we find out at the end of Genesis 16 that she has a son. If you have a minute, turn with me to Genesis 16. I want you to see something. Because here's Abraham going, maybe this is the way we're supposed to do this. Maybe this is the route God had in mind. And he's done some different things and we just had to follow. So who knows if this is, this is part of the plan. But Genesis 16 in verse 16 records the birth of Ishmael. And I want you to note some of the details here. Verse 16 says, And Hagar gave birth to Ishmael, and Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. 86 years old. End of the chapter. How does chapter 17 start? When Abraham was 99 years old, God came to him and said, This time next year, you're going to be holding your son. Did you catch those 13 years that are between chapters? You talk about a test of faith. I'm saying, God, you, you've promised us that this is, that the stars of the sky that we see every single day are, are what our future is going to look like, and yet we've got to endure 13 years of, again, being told in our prayers, not right now. No, nope. keep waiting. Keep waiting. And I love how the author of Hebrews changes the character that they attribute faith to here. It's Abraham, 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 and then it gets to verse 11 and it says, By faith, Sarah. 
Abraham kind of had plan B in his back pocket. Like, maybe God, this is how you're going to do it. But Sarah had the answer to the question no couple dealing with infertility wants the answer to. It's, the, it's in the back of your mind, and you go, I want to know, but I don't want to know, and whose body isn't working the way it should. And here's Sarah going, I, I know the answer. That if Abraham can go into Hagar and like that, he can have a child. It's not him. And so she's wrestling with this. But her faith is seen at the end of the verse. Hebrews 11, verse 11. Catch it as you read it again. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age. Here it is. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. She said, God, you promised this. You promised that you would take us to a new place and you got us here safely. You've delivered on that. You've promised us now that you're going to make of us a great generation. And now I don't see it yet. Though it doesn't make sense right now with what's going on. But right now, today, what do you have for me? Hold on to the promise. And do what you've told me to do. And so for 13, 14, 15 years of of putting up with a year of Hagar and her pregnancy and having to go, I'm really excited for you, but I really wish it was me. And having to deal with it again, then finally nine months of her own pregnancy at 90 years old. That God attributes faith to her through this. But it's her faith in that whole process that said every day of 13, 14, 15 years of going, God, I'm going to do what you've told me to do. The third test that they have to go through is that of an agonizing request. And this we find down in verse 17. We read, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promises, talking about Abraham, was in the act now of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named and I didn't get to add it to the slide, but look at verse 19, because that's where, that's where Abraham's faith comes in. How could he do this thing? Because he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. I can't imagine Abraham, after waiting, and Sarah waiting, after 13 years, to finally get the son of promise. And when God visits and said, this time next year, I'm, I'm going to visit you and see you with your son. I bet when, when God saw him with their son, that was a child who was not laid down much. This was a child that they clung to quite tightly. And after a few years of growing up, after we get to Genesis 22, and God wakes up Abraham going, remember that child I promised you, here's what I need you to do. I need you to get the firewood, I need you to get the oil. Get the rope, get the knife, and wake up Isaac. And take him to a mountain and offer him as a sacrifice. If they weren't people of faith, if they weren't people who were going, every day I've got to commit to believing your promises and doing what you told me to do, this would be a, you're asking me to do what kind of moment? Like this was the one you promised me. This was the one that we've been begging for for 13, 14 years, and you gave him to us, and now you want us to do what? But that's not Abraham's response. Abraham says, My faith in you is so strong in what you've done for me already 
that I believe even if you have me go through with this and kill him, you're going to raise him from the dead. He goes, it's because I was faithful every day in understanding who you were when things weren't being asked of me that seemed completely unrealistic, completely awful. But here it is. It's because I believe what you've told me is going to come true and I believe I need to be faithful to that. We see this word, this phrase, by faith throughout Hebrews 11. It's what it's famous for. That it lists so many of these people living by faith. And I think it's easy to to see it as going, if I live by faith, I live that God is going to do what He said He's going to do. And so there's faith in that. That's, that's, what that, that's this hope of looking forward to those coming to fruition, those, those hopes becoming reality. But it doesn't mean that we're just sitting there, Abraham and Sarah weren't just sitting there twiddling their thumbs going, okay God, can't wait for that to happen. They lived by faith. They were full of faith. They were faithful to say, God, while I'm waiting for these promises, what do you have for me to do? So every morning when I get up and say, God, what do you have for me today? He can say, this is what I have for you. And no matter what it is, I can say, yes, sir. If that's what you want for me today, yes, sir. And so I want us to just, as we close today, to see some of those promises of God to go, this is what those of us who are children of God, who, who aren't living in a story uh, 2,000 years ago, but are ones going, right now, God, what is it that you've called us to be faithful to? What are those promises that we can hold on to? And I want to give you just a few to kind of wet our whistle to go look for more. But God says things like, I will never leave you or forsake you. In the middle of all these changes, I'm not just dropping them on you and stepping back and watching what happens. I'm going through these with you. He says, nothing can remove you from my hand. Not something that happens to you, not a decision of yours, that I'm, I'm with you through this entire thing. He says, all things work together for your good because I finished the good work I started in you. He says, I go prepare a place for you and if I go, I'm going to come back. And he said, when all this is done and you're with me in heaven, I'm going to wipe away every tear. I'm going to take away every pain. I'm going to take away every sorrow. But those are things that we go, God, you've given us hope in those things. And he's given us a community to go, maybe when, on the days that I'm not feeling it, that I'm feeling like I am completely moving bricks and nothing looks different, that there's a community around me that go, but I can speak to what God's doing. I can speak to what I see God doing in your life. I can speak to what God has done for me that I want you to not lose hope in the promises he has for you. And so we go, okay, God, while I'm holding on to these promises, what do you have for me today? And there's a handful of things that I believe are, are general for every single person who says, I, I love God, I've got a relationship with Jesus, this is what, what you've called me to do every day. We've got four things specifically, and four things that may go, this may be a role that you are given right now, that there are some responsibilities there. So the, the ones that are for all of us specifically are saying, what does God have for me today? He wants me to love the Lord my God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength. That that's got to be number one. Have you loved me? Have you let me talk to you? Have you listened to me? 
then he says, the second's like it. Have you loved your neighbor? Have you cared about people beyond you every day? He says, are you making disciples? And before that can become an overwhelming thought, it's simply going, every day are you willing to share what God has done for you and through you and is doing in you to help people get to know Jesus more? Whether they've never heard him or whether they're sitting in this room next to you to go simply, I want you to know Jesus more and this is what he's done for me. Help them grow in their faith. He wants you to fight for purity. Philippians 4.8, Paul lays it out. Finally, brothers, whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is good report, think about these things. David writes in Psalm 101, he said, I, I commit to not put any unpure thing before my eyes. Can I share with you as the youth pastor of almost 10 years? We just got back from snow camp last week with our high schoolers. And every time we go on a retreat, every time we, we have a camp, every time we have a missions trip, and we have these conversations with students that are broken by their sin, it can be after Sunday school, it can be after youth group, and as they come and say, I, I need to confess to you some things that I, I just, I, I'm tired of fighting, I'm tired of losing, whether the list is one thing or ten things, guess how many students list lust on their list? In ten years, every single one of them. And I don't say this to out any of our teenagers or to indict any of our parents. I want to say this as going, this is the world we live in right now and we're under attack. Are we committed every day to go, I need to make sure I'm not putting anything impure in front of my eyes. We have to commit to that. It's killing the church. It's killing marriages. It's killing hearts. Can we say, God, every day I recognize this is what you have for me. But then for those of us who are married, to go, God, what do you have for me today? You have that I sacrificially serve my spouse. And here's the litmus test for this. Can your kids testify to that? Can they go, yeah, I'm pretty sure my dad loves my mom. In fact, it's kind of gross. I don't want to talk about it. Or do they go, I don't know. I'm not sure. Is that what we say, God, right now I want my family to know that I love my wife. If we're parents are raising our kids in the way they should go, is that a goal of ours to go, God, today you want me to raise my kids well? If we're a child, are we going, God, today you want me to honor my parents and respect my parents? No matter what age we are. For those of us who work, for those of us who are students, to be able to go, God, every day you're, what you have for me is that I give everything I've got, I work heartily, as unto the Lord in the task you've given me. And I realize this may go, that's an awful lot he's given me every day. But that's what we're called to do, that every day we can wake up and say, God, what do you have for me? Based on the promises that, that I'm hoping in, that I can't wait to see fulfilled, that I'm, I'm seeing fulfilled in my life and the life of others, that that gives me this drive to go, if you've been this faithful to me, allow me to be this faithful to you. And every day, Get these instructions. Get these steps to go, how do I live today the way you want me to? And then say, yes, sir. And can I see you tomorrow? Will you pray with me?
God, I praise you for your never-ending faithfulness. I praise you that of the things that you ask of us, that you give us your love and your never-ending mercies that are new, that grow every morning. God, I thank you for the privilege it is, the opportunity it is, that you've called us to a hurting world. You've called us to even go through hurts and pains and tests of faithfulness ourselves so that we can, we can demonstrate your love and your grace and your hope and your peace to a world that's going through a lot of the same things. God, allow us to shine as lights in dark places. Allow us to commit to being faithful to the things you've asked us to be faithful to. And God, allow us to count it a privilege to be able to do that. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the testimony of Abraham and Sarah. That it wasn't just through these these trying times that they were faithful, but it was day in, day out. And we're committed to do what you've asked us to do, no matter what you bring our way. God, may we have that same strength and same commitment to faithfulness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.